If you have a Bible, you might like to turn um, to Mark's Gospel. So we're going to look at uh, uh, just a couple of verses. Just for a moment, we're looking at a theme called "Serve Like Jesus." As a church, over the last uh, number of weeks, we've we've embarked on a, a theme called "Just Jesus," modelling our lives on the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, you can and I can. Um, we're called to follow Jesus. We can um, copy some of the ideas of Jesus. We can take some of his teaching and um, look to apply the teaching of Jesus, but we're called to live and be like Jesus. And that calls us to follow him, to live in him and live for him. And so primarily we're called to live in him. And in the New Testament, we read that Jesus says, I, I'm, I live in you. Um, in the Paul the Apostle speaks again and again about being in Christ and Christ being in us and the Holy Spirit being in us and living through, in us and through us. And so in the series that we've been looking at, Just Jesus, isn't just about learning about Jesus and then copying Jesus, but it is learning about Jesus. It may be copying Jesus, but it's living in Jesus and allowing Jesus to live in and through us by the power of the person of the Holy Spirit. And so when we look at serve like Jesus, it's not just copying Jesus' service, but it's allowing Jesus and the Holy Spirit to live in and through us so that we can be like him. Now, with that in mind, you may be just here for the first time this morning. You're going to hear this message on its own. But we need to go back. You'll need to go back a number of weeks and you'll be able to listen online where we shared um, a message that looked at resting in Jesus, what it means to know Jesus, to live in Jesus, to have the Holy Spirit and Jesus living in us. Because that's foundational if we're to live like Jesus and to be like Jesus. You see, we can try and copy him um, and we can go a long way and we can make a good effort at it. But it's when the Holy Spirit and Jesus lives in us and through us that by his grace we're able to be like him. And so it's so important. So have a uh, listen to that, that message, uh, Rest in Jesus, and you'll be able to look at it, listen to it, look at it rather, listen to it on our, our church webpage. So this morning, serve like Jesus. Mark chapter 10, verse 45, we read these words, just a couple of uh, sentences or verses that I want to read just for a moment or two, but they're amazing words. In Mark 10, verses 45, For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Serve like Jesus. When we look at the life of Jesus, when you read about Jesus, when you get hold of the Bible, if you read the New Testament, if you read the Old Testament, the prophecies pertaining to Jesus to come, and then we read about the things that Jesus said about himself in the New Testament, the things that Paul writes about Jesus in his letters to the, the church. Jesus was called uh, in his life, in his lifetime, master, often referred to as the master. People were in awe at his teaching and his lifestyle. Others refer to him as rabbi, and in those days, uh, rabbi was a, a, not just a, a, a religious term for a religious leader, but leaders would be held in, in almost reverence at the sense of their type of uh, wisdom and following God and their leadership. He re- was referred to, referred to himself and referred to by others as the son of God. 
Messiah. The word Messiah means anointed one, the one to come, the king of the Jews, the one to bring freedom to the whole Jewish nation from Roman occupation. And uh, he was crucified as king of the Jews, although he was mocked at that. But the, the, um, the rabbis and the teachers of the day said, are you the one, the king of the Jews? People are saying you're the one who's to be the king of the world referred to in Paul's writings as the Lord. Uh, in, in Jesus' day, people referred to him as Lord and knelt at his feet and said, Lord, the word Lord, the way that it's referred to and the way that Paul writes about him in the letters to the churches is a word that was used on all the Roman coins. Kurios, which means Lord and Master of the universe. It means God. It, it meant deity. And the word Lord in the Greek language, kurios, was stamped on Roman coins with Caesar is kurios. Caesar ho kurios. Caesar is Lord. And so when Jesus was called Lord, it's like you're, you're our divine. You're deity. You're God. You're the master of all. More than just a Lord and master. Today, if we talked about the Lord of the manor, you, it'd be something like does it Dalton Abbey, which has been all, we used to, I'm showing my age now, upstairs, downstairs. Can you remember that? Upstairs, downstairs. Lots of people looking at me as if, yeah, you are as old as you, you look and you sound. But uh, Downton Abbey is the one that people watch or have been watching. And uh, Lord is, you know, um, but today we don't maybe have quite a, the same understanding. And it, it's a, a figurehead, someone that lives in a nice house and has to charge lots of money to keep the house going and shows you around it themselves probably and dresses all nice and has got a nice posh accent and uh, drives a big Bentley car or something like that. But in, in the days of Lord and Master, it's almost godlike. They had the power of life and death. And Jesus referred to in all of these ways, amazing Master, Lord, Yet, he modeled a life of ultimate servanthood. In the midst of all of this grand talk, in the midst of adulation, in the midst of crowds that followed him, people that would bow down to him, he would often say, don't bow to me. He lived a most incredible, amazing life. Something counter to all of the adulation He lived a life of ultimate, incredible servanthood. Today, people's aspirations are superstar as compared to servant. If you ask, uh, everybody wants to be a, well, not everybody maybe, but a lot of people like to be a pop idol. If if, if you ask, I'd like to be famous. I'd like to be a football star. There is a sort of a culture, it might be a bit tongue-in-cheek, it might be a bit of a broad statement, you might not want to be a superstar, I'm sure, that, but uh, a lot of young people today, when asked, what, you know, what would you like to be? It's, there is this sort of, Jesus could have lived a superstar type of lifestyle, if we picture it today, but he t- chose the most amazing path, he was an incredible leader, people looked to him for leadership, they acknowledged him as the most amazing leader and man the world has ever known. And yet, he led a life of ultimate and incredible servanthood. Servanthood for Jesus was a mindset, not a menial task. It was a heart, a lifestyle. It's an attitude of heart. And so the idea of us, because you might think if we serve, you know, you wipe the tables, you're going to serve, a bit of a menial task. You know, robots can do that today. We'll have, we'll have all the menial tasks done by somebody else or something else. But for Jesus, servanthood wasn't just a menial task. It was an attitude of life. So you could be the king of the universe. You can be the king of the universe. I can't get my head around this. 
You can be the king of the universe and he holds the stars in the palm of his hands and flings them into space and then in his hands he can wash your feet. You see, servanthood is a matter of the heart, not a menial task. Now, lose anything today, don't lose that one because the next time you feel that life's not too good and no one sees what you're doing. It's about what God sees in your heart. And Jesus was the king of the universe and he'll come and wash your feet today. Wow, how incredible. You see, servanthood is an attitude of the heart. It's a way of life. It's about living for God, loving others. That's the servant heart. Servanthood is this. Just for a minute, put some of the tasks out of the way for a moment. As soon as we speak about being a servant and Jesus is a servant, put the tasks out the way and just think of this. Servanthood is about living for God and loving everybody around me. That's what a servant heart. A servant heart is selfless. This is challenging. This is the big challenge to our hearts today. It's the great challenge. It's one of the greatest challenges that we may face is this heart attitude of living for God and completely loving others. In that case, servant heart is a selfless heart. It's less of self, more of God, more of others. And uh, serving can often be a challenge because it's often in the simple things of life. A smile for somebody, reaching out a hand of love. It might not be that you're going to stand on the stage and serve God and give the most eloquent message the world has ever heard. You see, servanthood is such a heart, which it might be that you just reach out your hand to somebody. It's such a simple thing, such uh, a thing that isn't often seen, perhaps, as something that can be so simple. But that's the challenge to our lives. There's something in me. It might not be in you. Okay, so I'm not going to say it to you, but there's something in me that does want to be seen. It's in the human heart. And so servanthood can be a challenge at times. So Jesus said the first to be last, the last will always be first. The unseen will be the ones that will be held up. The ones that are often seen and want to be seen, you will not be seen because God sees the heart. You and I see the outside. One writer said this, Donald S. Whitney in his book Spiritual Discipline says this, the flesh connives against the hiddenness and sameness of servanthood. The flesh, in other words, my fallen nature. The fallen nature. The flesh connives against the hiddenness and sameness of servanthood. There's something in the human heart that that sort of kicks against the hiddenness and the sameness. Some of the simple things, the things that are unseen, It's all about heart, a heart for God. So, we see that Jesus is a servant, the greatest servant the world has ever known, and he wants us to serve like him and to follow him and be like him. Now, we've not got enough time, but just a few verses. The verse that we read, for the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, as we look at the New Testament just for a moment, and give his life as a ransom for many, Mark 10, 45. Service is selfless, and it's sacrifice. There's something about my life that's less of self. When we speak about selfless, it means just a little bit less of me and a lot more more of God. Let's not be too grand about this. 
Adrian Mancini and say, I'm going to live this selfless life. It just means more, less of me and more of him. That's what it means to be selfless. And we're going to grow like that. The day that you desire in your heart to live a servant life means that you will begin to say, more of you, God, and a bit less of me, less of me. That's the selfless life. Let's not be too grand about it. It's as simple as that. But we say the Son of Man came. He was selfless. Also, it said he gave his life as a ransom. It's sacrifice. There's something's got to give in the human heart. As we give our lives to God. In John um, chapter 13 verses 3 to 5. Jesus washes feet. You see the picture that's on the screen there. And in John chapter, chapter 13 verses 3 to 5 says. Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power. And that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal. Took off his outer clothing. And wrapped a towel around his waist. And after he poured water into the basin. He began to wash his disciples feet drying them with a towel wrapped around them. He was an example, complete. He didn't just talk about service. He lived it. We see that service there, in the the day that that was happening, you did not wash feet. Slaves washed feet. So when Jesus got down from the table having a meal, he was on the top table. Jesus was on the top table. If you go to a wedding, you have a top table. And he was on the top table. And he comes down from the top table, which was a big deal. Got down amongst the feet of his disciples, which was an even bigger deal. Then he removed his outer garment, which was a mega, 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 mega big deal. Then he wrapped it around him because he was identifying with service, and then began to use his garment to wash their feet. That was what a slave did. When he did that, he was showing his disciples it's a matter of the selfless, sacrificial heart. I've come for you. You haven't come for me. I've come to you. In Mark chapter, we haven't, we're not going to, don't worry, two more scriptures. This is not an extensive, but this is just a few to prove a point. In Mark chapter 9, verse 35, sitting down, it says, Mark chapter 9, verse 35, sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and a servant of all. Mark 9, 35. Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and a servant of all. In other words, Disciples, followers of Jesus, me and you, we're servants of all. We're called to be a heart, a servant of all. Finally, one more scripture. There's loads, but just, just to suffice. John chapter 12, verse 26. John 12, 26. Jesus said this. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant will also be My father will honor the one who serves me. My father will honor the one who serves me. So if we serve Jesus, we're not at the beck and call. Service, forget the menial, forget the task for a moment. And get out of your mind that you're at the beck and call necessarily of everyone. Our service is first of all to Jesus. And if we're serving Jesus, you will be able to have the energy and motivation 
to serve all. 25 years ago, when I left Bible college, the first church I went to was in Aberdeen. And uh, it was part of the Aberdeen uh, Central Church. And there was about 70 people at that church, and I went as an assistant. And a man called David Holdaway took a big risk in inviting a young couple up to Scotland, and they didn't have hardly anything to pay for an assistant. But we sort of went in faith and went on a bit of a salary. Anyway, the church grew many years. It grew and grew and grew. But we went and pioneered, with, 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 along with David, um, a new church. And there were 10 people in that first church. And uh, we um, started a, a house life group, a house group, called it in those days. And then went to a school in a morning meeting. And I would put the chairs out. I put the chairs out. And did, did most things in those days. 25 years later, I don't always put the chairs out, but I sometimes put the chairs out and put them back. And I always, and I used to tell myself on those days, on those mornings when I had a bit of a poor old me moment, and if I have a poor old me moment today, as I put a chair out, and I'm still maybe doing it 25 years later, I'm doing it for you, Lord. I'm doing it for you, Lord. I'm, it's so simple, isn't it? I, am I, I might be simplistic, but I tell you what, it is service. It says, if whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will also be, and my father will honor the one who serves me. I've always found that Jesus always honors those that serve. Those that serve. We're doing it for him, and that's the first thing. So we can see in the New Testament, and there are loads and loads of chapters and verses and accounts of service. You could do a study of that yourself. Time doesn't permit, but just to make a point, we build a case that Jesus was an amazing leader, an amazing God, an amazing, and yet his heart was an amazing servant of all. So, it says that Jesus took a towel and wrapped it around himself, took out his, off his outer garment and wrapped it around himself. So what does the towel of servanthood look like? And in the next few moments, we're just going to look at three things, very briefly, that show us what the towel, what I believe, okay, it's what I believe, the towel of service looks like. So it said that Jesus came down from the table, took off his outer garment, wrapped a towel around him, and then began to wash and wipe the disciples' feet. So he modeled something. Now we must make that model our own. In other words, his way needs to be our way. His way. Frank Sinatra sung a song, My Way. That is the spirit of the age in which we perhaps live from time to time. But we're to live God's way. And Jesus showed us the way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If we really believe that, then we will follow him the way. And so his way is to be our way, not my way, but his way. So what does that model look like? What does that towel of service look like as he wrapped it around himself? So, well, three things. First of all, love. The first, mo- the motivation of our hearts is love. It's not the task. You see, the task can be menial. The task could be small. The task could be great. 
We could be doing great things or we could be doing simple things. Sometimes you'll do things that everybody will see and most of the time you'll do things that nobody will even know. There are lots of people doing lots of things in the life of our church. I don't even know. God knows, but I don't see. And um, so it's not the task as much, but it's the heart. And when Jesus came down from the top table, it was love that motivated him. Love for his father and love for the people around him. I would say that we don't serve from self-promotion, but devotion. The key to life, we serve not from self-promotion, but devotion to Jesus, devotion to God. If I put a chair out, I will say to myself, I actually tell myself, I'm doing it for you, Lord. Sometimes when I see pieces of paper or weeds around a certain place, if I pick them up, I do it for you, Lord. And it's about love, love for Jesus Christ. Jesus said, you do this for me, you do this to me. He said to the woman that, that, said the woman that came to him and wept, he said, this is a beautiful thing you do to me. When we serve, we do a beautiful thing for him. And um, we're called, to, when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment, Jesus? What's the, the most mega, amazing, super duper, very, very spiritual thing I could do to be an amazing, amazing uh, religious person? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your mind and all your strength. He said, I'll do that. And he then said, and do this as well. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's love. Paul the Apostle says the greatest of everything in life is love. Love will never fail. 1 Corinthians 13, quoted continually, uh, uh, place things like weddings. Love, the greatest thing is love. And so it's devotion to Jesus. Jesus was devoted to his father. He loved his father. I, I would say I meet lots of very hardworking people doing lots of stuff. But you know, sometimes a rot can set into our hearts and uh, particularly when it's the sameness of stuff and the, 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 the mundane and the monotony and doing things maybe very often. If, if we lose sight of who we're doing this for and why I'm doing it, I'm doing it for you, Jesus. And it's because I love you. A rot can set into your heart. And I've met people over the years that can be, there used to be a TV series, a cartoon series called The Wacky Races. There was a dog called Muttley. Some of you are laughing because you're, you're old enough. To, it's on a cartoon channel now, probably. Yeah, yeah, you're watching it. You watch it. I'm sorry. And Muttley would, would, would he was a right little. And you know what? I can never, dare I say, if there is such a spirit, a spirit of Muttley. <laughs> don't quote me on that. I don't think, well, I don't know if you'll find it. <laughs> but, you know, if we lose sight of of what it's all about. If I lose sight, I will not last. You and I will not last. We will not move on in God. And it's, it is, it's the simple things. The main thing, make the main thing the main thing. Love. That's why we're saying about following Jesus, it's about loving him. Being in a love relationship with the living Jesus Christ. Not just learning some examples and doing stuff. And so, love. So the first thing. So when he wrapped, he took off the outer garment. There's something tender. I don't think he sort of slammed it all down and came down and thought, oh, right then, and give it your feet. And, you know, and really rubbing them hard. And There's something. I don't know. I wasn't there. But I just don't think that would have happened. There's something in it. 
that's tender, I believe. And it's love. Second thing, as we wrap the garment. So we love God with all our heart. And we love Jesus with all our heart. And we love those around us. If we love Jesus, we're able to love those around us. The challenging ones <laughs> and the challenging circumstance around us. Secondly, humility. Jesus was the most humble person the earth has ever known. He ushered in humility as a way of life and a way of a complete way of life. A great teacher. It was, it was okay for him to, to lord it. He says, the, the, the people of the day, your masters lord it over you. They were doing it then, even as they do it now. You know, once you become at the top of the food chain, the ultimate director, the manager, everybody does at your beck and call. Jesus says in, in, the, in this passage of Mark 10, that, you know, the, world, the people of the world, they lord it over you. But I come to serve and give my life for you. Humility. He modeled humility. This was groundbreaking. This was amazing. This was revolutionary as a way of life. Not just a bit now and again as a good technique. As a complete way of life. Humility. He modeled this, which was groundbreaking. Never to have been done before. It's why people loved him. Humility. Meekness, you've heard it say, is not weakness. Jesus was the most meek person on the face of this earth. Meekness is not weakness. In actual fact, meekness is incredibly attractive. Humility is attractive. It attracts people. True humility. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, said C.S. Lewis, but thinking of yourself less. Think about that for a minute. It's a bit of a tongue twister. I had to get my mind around that. I had to write that down several times and have a think about that. Humility, C.S. Lewis said, is not thinking less of yourself but thinking of yourself less, less of me, more of God, more on those. I think of others. I can think about me, it's not wrong, but those around me. And service is selfless, less of self, less of self. As I said, meekness is not weakness. In fact, it's very powerful, it's attractive. If you serve others you find that you make people feel good and they'll want to be around you. It's attractive, in actual fact. True meekness, true servant heart. If, you, if we truly love God and love others the way that God loves us and love other people, it becomes incredibly attractive. Have you ever been with somebody and you, you, share, you share a bit about your life and they say, well, that happened to me. If you think that's bad, you want to hear this. And then they get... There's something about others... And if you, if it, you can put this in for the whole, if you're a manager, if you're a director, if you're a teacher, if you're a friend, if you're a mum or a dad, this principle can be the whole gamut for life. In actual facts, others, loving others, thinking of others, reaching out to others, in actual fact, causes people to want to be with me or with you. It's incredibly attractive. In other words, it's really powerful because if people want to be with you, then you have the power to influence for good or for bad. For good, we want for good. And so humility, as the way that Jesus modeled it, that's why crowds followed him. I know he did great healings. He has teaching like no one else had ever taught. But people loved to be around him because his personality was magnetic because he was one of the most wonderful. He loved people with the way that God loved him, he loved people. Thought of others. He served them. So if you can do that, 
you find that it's incredibly, incredibly powerful. So humility. And so when he came down from the table, he modeled this tremendous sense of others. You. It's a heart. It's not what we do so much. It's the heart that we do it with. It's the attitude that we reach out with. How amazing is that? If we have that type of heart, everybody would be reached out to. Everybody would be loved and cared. It's not utopia. It's the kingdom of God. It's not utopia. It's the kingdom of God. And this is what God came. What is in heaven is to be released here on earth. I'm not just waiting until I see Jesus face to face or I'm looking forward to that day. But I can live in the power of that right here, right now. And this is what Jesus wants us to do. And we can do that through servant heart, the heart of God. So humility. And finally, as we come to a conclusion, this town, thirdly and finally, looks like sacrifice. It's love. It's humility. This is how we serve with love, humility, and Sacrifice. It says that he gave his life as a ransom for many. The word ransom was there where it's a, a term that means ransom price. In the markets of the day, a slave could be freed. Could, uh, could be freed. There, there was a price to pay, a ransom price. And if uh, a, a rich master, uh, you, you, um, obviously a slave could never free themselves. This is the picture. Slave didn't, never, could never, if you were a slave, that was it. That was your destiny for until you died and went to the grave. But uh, the ransom price, a rich master, a slave had performed really well and and a master could pay a price to free. It was a colossal price and uh, in the markets of the day. And it's interesting, the same word there is used of Jesus paying, he paid the ransom price for you and I. We were slaves to sin. We could never pay the price for eternal life. And Jesus pays that ransom price with his own lifeblood so that we can be freed. It's incredible. Sacrifice is a foundational part of serving and loving others. It buys the slave freedom. It has given us, his life gives us freedom. That's the good news. The good news is a gift of life, restoration of a relationship with God. It's not about escaping hell. It's about being with God. It's a relationship with God. And we have a gift. It's a free gift of Jesus Christ. We could never earn it. We could never do anything good enough to receive it. It's a gift that God gives. He gives us the gift of his only son. God sacrificed his one and only so that you and I might be free. It's the gift of a restored relationship with God. It's a grace gift. That's the good news of the gospel. It's great news. It's amazing news that we have been given that freedom. But it costs, it costs the life, blood of Jesus. God uses sacrificial service to usher in his glory. Lots of people talk about bringing in the kingdom, breaking through into revival. Let me just say this. God, God uses sacrificial service to usher in his glory. The greatest glory that the world has ever known is the Death and resurrection of Jesus Christ that brought the kingdom of God and allowed to break into our lives. We don't have to wait for anything. It's incredible 
We can usher in the glory of God as we give our lives to him in love and give it away to the world. That is amazing. We can bring about a revival to the world just by living the kingdom of God. God, I believe, ushers in. Hey, it's amazing. His glory through sacrificial life. The very heart of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit is sacrifice. It's the very heart. So it says the Son of Man didn't come. He came to give his life, to serve you and I and give his life as a ransom for many. It's the foundation block. It's the very foundation. It's a cornerstone to redeemed living, to the glory of God being released in our hearts and through our hearts and lives on this earth. A man called Jim Elliot wrote these words. He says, he is, it's he or she, he was speaking about his own life, but this refers to all human beings, okay, whether male or female. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. See, Jim Elliot knew and understood that the glory of God is ushered in through the giving of the life of Jesus Christ, eternal life, and the giving of our lives to serve him. Little did he realize when he wrote that in his journal that he would lose his life uh, on the banks of the Kurai River, and, but the whole tribe of Alka Indians became Christians. They speared him and his friends. But later on, many years later, his wife went back, and the whole tribe, those who speared him, became believers. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. You see, this is what he understood and this is what Jesus is trying to let make us and wants us to understand by his Holy Spirit. When you lay down your life, God will pick you back up again. This is the amazing news. When we lay our lives down for him, it is he who will pick us up. That helps me tremendously when I'm giving my heart to serving God. It stops me from getting all too wound up and upset about me and what I do and what I can't do and what others don't do and what people see and what people don't see and what they're doing and what they can't do and what I could do and what I should do. And if only they were and I could do that better than them. It absolutely erases all of that. And what I see is that God is the one. If I give my life, if you just give your whole heart to God, if you will just give your whole life to him, he will pick it up. He will pick it up. And this is what's called the resurrection. This is called the resurrection. This is called the resurrection to life. He was raised to life. And he says the same power that raised Christ from the dead is now in and through you and in you. Paul said that to the Ephesian church and to all believers. We receive that same resurrection life. And this is what helps us. Just give our lives to serving God. So, we're going to sing together as we conclude this morning. Let's wrap our own lives up in the towel of love, humility, and sacrifice. Let's desire to serve like Jesus. What an amazing life we can live. What an amazing church we can be in. What an amazing marriage that you will know. What an amazing experience you'll have at work. What an amazing experience we'll have in life. What an amazing experience we'll have with those around us as we reach out to them.
let's desire to serve like Jesus. If we can do this, it will do something amazing. It'll change the world. Lots of talk about we need a revival to change the world. We can do that through the power of the Holy Spirit just by giving our lives to Him and just giving it away to those around us in the power of the Spirit. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you. How good you are. We just want to come before you right this moment. And um, you see our hearts. You know our hearts. You care about our hearts. I thank you that this isn't something that you look upon us and say, come on, serve, do this, do that. Not at all. In actual fact, you gave your life for me even when I didn't know you and I didn't care about you. That's what it says. Christ laid down his life when we didn't even care about him. You seem to give away everything. You gave your life Completely, And then the Father raised you up to the highest of heavens. And now you say to us, just give your life to me. And you'll be raised to the highest of heights. So we come to you this morning with our frailty, with our lives, maybe the simple things, the things that we do, the things that we don't. We just say, Lord, this is my life. This is who I am. I'm going to give you my heart. I'm going to give you my mind. I'm going to give you my hands. I'm going to give you my life. Would you come, Holy Spirit? Would you now empower me? Father God, for some of us, we feel that we've hit rock bottom. Some of us here this morning feel flat on our face. But you are the one who are the resurrection and the life. You are the one who can lift us to the highest of places, to be seated in the heavenly realms. Your word says we are seated with you in the heavenlies. You've lavished every rich blessing upon us in the heavenlies. Pray right now, where we might be, whatever we might feel, that each one of us would know the power of your spirit here in our hearts and minds, in marriages, homes, in work, the people I need to manage, maybe some of us are managers of the certain places, the people I work with, the difficult circumstance. You might say, Pastor Adrian, you don't know what I go through. You don't know what I do. You're absolutely right. I don't, but God does. And he cares. God is good. God is love. God loves you. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus wants to hold us in the palms of his hands. He will lift us. He lifts the fallen. He says, come to me. You are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. I will raise you up. I will lift your heart. I will lift your head. Are you burdened? Are you worn out? Are you anxious? Are you depressed? Come to me and I will lift you. Lord, see our hearts this morning. We just want to be a people so full of you. To be selfless means more of you, more of you in our lives. Come and have your way. What we say this morning is have your way in my mind, my heart, my attitude, my spirit, our lives, this place. Come and fill us to all the fullness of God, we pray. May we know you more and more and more. Lord Jesus, we love you. We want to love you more. Come, Holy Spirit, in power and strength. Come and take our hearts. Come and revive. Stir up. Stir the nest. 
Let a fire rise in our soul this morning, I pray, Lord. Let something that cannot be contained, let there come a chain reaction, a stirring, a revolution of love. Let a love revolution stir in their hearts. Let it stir in this place. Let it be something that can't be contained, can't be understood, cannot be chained. You'll just have your way. We say, Lord, come and have your way. We are yours. We are yours. Let's stand together, folks.